We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio, our Monday edition. It's Monday, October 23rd. We're here with Norm Hightower, our managing editor, Derek C. Paula, and today our guest is Cameron De Silva from the USA Today's Rams Wire. How are you, gentlemen? Good. How's it going? Going good. Outstanding. Cameron, uh, real quick here, we want to go right off the bat and just ask, what, what did we see yesterday? <laughs> We saw a dominant Rams team that did everything well from from special teams to the offense to the defense, shutting down the Cardinals. Obviously, Arizona didn't have Carson Palmer for most of the game, but um, they really stepped up against the run, against the pass. They created turnovers, and they really just did everything well. Yeah, I noticed they kind of started off slow with their offense. Even though they were driving the ball, they were struggling getting it in the end zone again. And all the way up into about the middle of the second quarter, it still still kind of had that struggling thing going on. But then the turnover happened, and all of a sudden things kind of blew up. Do you think it was because they stopped Arizona and put Palmer out that that happened, or do you think it was they just finally got some confidence back and started, you know, going for it? 
Yeah, I mean, the red zone things were obviously a concern, especially those uh, those first couple drives where they kind of just ended up with field goals instead of punching it in. Um, they, the play calling was kind of questionable. I know Gurley had a, he had a good six-yard run on first down, uh, I think on the first trip to the red zone. And then uh, McVay called two two pass plays um, that were both incomplete, and they had to settle for a field goal. So, I mean, when you have Gurley running that well, um, I, don't, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't ride him in the in the red zone just because – I mean, they haven't done that enough this year, which kind of hurt them in the in the red zone um, all season. But I think they kind of gained confidence once Gurley got into the end zone um, with the 18-yard run, and then they kind of had their read option with Goff later in the game. So, um, yeah, they definitely gained confidence there. Now, earlier today, you you posted up on Rams Wire, you know, these these facts, the amazing seven facts about the Sean McVay's Rams today. Um, how how you know how are you feeling about this team after seven games? I think they're they're a legitimate super. I don't know if I'll go as far to say they're Super Bowl contenders, but they're a team that definitely looks like they're going to make the playoffs. And when they do get there, they have the offense to to make a run. And then they have guys like Aaron Donald and Alec Ogletree's playing well the past few weeks. And Mark Barron's one of the best inside linebackers against the run. So they have the guys on both sides of the ball to to really make plays when they need them most. And you saw that on Sunday with um, the interception on Palmer, and then. Barron stepped in front of um, one of uh, the passes towards the end of the first half, and they got a field goal out of it. So they're making plays at the most opportune times, and it's really helping them um, offensively and defensively. Well, yesterday in our podcast, I was so excited, and I, I stated that the Rams are legit. They're back, they're legit, and they're for real. And if you doubt them, you shouldn't anymore. And then when I read your article, uh, the first thing I saw was, they're only 12 points shy of their 2016 total. That's one of the reasons I think they're back because, you know, last year they had a defense that played extremely well and probably would have been probably would have been a lot better if they didn't have to spend so much time on the field defending because the offense couldn't push the ball down the field. And I'd stated earlier in the year that if if the Rams could score 20 points a game, they'd be legitimate contenders. And now they're averaging right at 30. So mm-hmm. so when I saw your article, I thought. Through 16 games last time, we scored 224 points, and we're already at 212 right now. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's that's absolutely remarkable. Um, it's a testament to the job that Sean McVay's done with the offense, the job that Jared Goff is doing, taking care of the football, making good decisions with it. He had that interception yesterday, but if you look at the replay, you'll see that Todd Gurley got chipped pretty bad on, on the slant route, and it should have been called pass interference because – he did get hit when the ball was in the air. So it, it wasn't a great throw, but it really shouldn't have been an interception. But he's he's looked really good. The past couple, the past three games have been a little more shaky than the first four, um, but that's kind of based on the defenses that they're playing now. Well, and I think you're right on the fact that they're relying too much on the pass game when they get into the red zone. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, as an example, we talked yesterday, Derek and I, about how Gurley looked like a total stud running it in from, you know, what, like 18 yards out? Mm-hmm. 18 yards out, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a young coach, and I kind of question his play calling there, but it's hard to complain when you had a team last year that, that couldn't drive the football down the field for the life of them, and now all of a sudden you have an offense that's exciting. So it's really hard to complain about the calling that McVay's doing, but I think he needs to, to reexamine that and look at using Gurley more. But I, I did love the screenplay that he threw to Cooper Cup. Uh, towards the end of the game and, and, mm-hmm. the, and the way the offensive line got out there like they did. 
Yeah, he's a he's an offensive minded guy who likes to throw the football. Uh, we saw that with Washington. Um, Kirk Cousins was a great red zone quarterback for him, and he's kind of trying to do the same with Jared Goff. And they've just missed on a few passes. I think they're in like the bottom third of the NFL in touchdown percentage in the red zone, which isn't good. But it's also it's also uh, crazy to think about how many more points they could have if they were converting in the red zone. They lead the league now, and imagine if they were punching it in every time they got down there. So uh, I think there's still a lot of room to grow with him as a coach, with Goff as a quarterback, which makes this team so exciting to watch. Well, don't forget, too, we can put the blame on, on, on McVay's play calling, but we've seen several drops oh, in yeah. the red yep. zone, too. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean, to, you know, Norm's a big fan of Cooper Cup. I am, too. Mm-hmm. But I think I've seen Cup drop at least three thus far in, in the red yep. zone himself. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, so Sorry, you God. catch those balls. You catch those balls, and all of a sudden that red, zone, that red zone percentage is different. Right. That one that he had in the end zone, he probably should have come down with. He probably should have come. It was a tough catch against the Seahawks, but he probably should have caught that one to win the game, too. And then he had another one in the red zone that was kind of in traffic, and it, and it hit his hands, and he didn't come down with it. And one of his best qualities coming out was was his hands, and now he needs to kind of improve in that area because he's been um, one of the shakier receivers that they've had, and as surprising as that sounds. Well, and I'm not discouraged by it. Derek says I'm a fan, and I am, but that's because I live up in Oregon and I watched, you know, Cup play a lot, and it's not, it's, yep. a, it's very uncharacteristic of him to drop passes. So I, I think that as the season goes on, you're going to see less and less of that. And, and you're right. If, if they convert on just a few of those plays, we're averaging 35, 38 points a game, and we're, we're looking really tough. And then when you add our defensive play in and the way that it's starting to come to fruition, after they're starting to gel, I, I think it's only promising from here. Absolutely, yeah. Cup was a he was a really re- reliable receiver at Eastern Washington at the Senior Bowl. I know he had a few drops in practice, and people were kind of questioning his hands there. But he's as reliable as they come. It's good to see that golf keeps going back to him. Um, he's not really losing confidence despite those those few drops. Well, let's be fair to Cup too. Cup, you know, he's had a couple of drops for passes that should have been better passes. The Seattle pass, just, right was a right. little bit off. I mean, I, I, I don't blame Jared Goff for the throw as much as mm-hmm. because he only had one place to throw. He was only a couple inches off. Yep. The other drop yesterday was behind him. Goff threw a lot of passes behind receivers yesterday, and it's a different score. It's not 33 nothing yesterday. It's more like 45 nothing yesterday mm-hmm. if, if he throws those those passes where they need to be, and he just was a little bit off thrown behind people. And in my view, once he fixes that, once they start getting that timing better, especially with, with Sammy Watkins, there's, the sky's the limit on this offense. Yeah, that's what's that's what's so good to to see about this team that they're they're firing on all cylinders offensively, and Goff still hasn't even been as sharp as he could be uh, the past few games. And he wasn't he wasn't completely accurate. He had, like you said, he had a few passes that were behind guys and threw inaccurately um, on a couple throws. But it's it, once they have the playmakers there, they just need to put them all together, and and they've done that a few times, and you really see what happens when that does. Uh, that does come together. And when you're putting up 30 points a game and still still talking about the struggles, that's that's a bad situation to have. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Horrible. And, and I just want to ask this. Hey, Cameron, uh, seeing how this offense has performed this year and even the way the defense is coming around, how does, how does this reflect back on former head coach Jeff Fisher and his staff? Awfully. It, it reflects so poorly on their staff and the job that they did. They didn't adapt to anything. They didn't adapt to, 
to the offense that they had with, with Todd Gurley. Um, the offensive line was awful. Last season, they didn't make, the defense was good, but they didn't, they didn't make enough adjustments throughout the year to kind of, um, take the play for, take their, take, take the play of the offense and defense to the next level, which is why you saw them struggle. So you kind of see a guy like Sean McVay who's creative and dynamic and makes changes and, and Wade Phillips does the same thing on defense and it's, you see a huge difference in the play of the, of the Rams overall. Well, in so a middle school offense. <laughs> well, and I'm certainly not sticking up for Greg Williams, but, you know, when your offense is doing three and outs, you know, every series, and your defense is out there for eight to ten to twelve plays. Uh, it, it is hard to adjust when you're extremely tired and and worn out. So I think that had a lot to do with that. I think the offense last year was the biggest reason, that, you know, that we were struggling. And and of course that's typical Fisher ball is hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hand the ball off, third down, try to pass it, and it just doesn't work. So yeah. it's exciting to see the differences this year. It's not boring Rams football probably going to lose anymore. It's what are we going to see this week, and it could be really exciting. And, and, and it just keeps it keeps giving me hope each week when I see how well they're playing. Even in the losses that we had, they were both close games. They both had a chance to win it at the end. And we've, we've been in all seven games we've played so far. So, you know, it's exciting. Yep, yep, it definitely is. And that's why they have the number one points differential in the NFL right now. So. Uh, you see that they, they have a chance to win every single game um, that they've played, and I think that's going to continue throughout the year. Cameron, with that in mind, what is the ceiling for the Rams this year? I can see I can see them making it to the Super Bowl. It, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. The NFC has a lot of questions. The Cowboys don't look like the Cowboys of last season. The Falcons obviously are, are really struggling offensively and don't have anything clicking really there with Steve Sarkeesian. Seahawks, they're the typical Seahawks where they're dominant defensively and the offense is kind of – sputtering you have Aaron Rodgers injury so the NFC is wide open there isn't a team really right now that is uh is overwhelming favorites to win uh to to win the conference and make it to the Super Bowl beating a team like the Patriots the Steelers stuff like that they're obviously inconsistent too but um I could see the Rams making it all the way to the Super Bowl it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me in the least bit well their schedule isn't I mean it isn't great but it isn't bad when you look at you know the chances for that Nick the next game we have on the fifth is against the the New York Giants, who've been struggling. They can be a tough team when they put it all together because we know they have the talent. But you know they're they're struggling right now. And then you've got the Texans at home, and that team I think is dangerous and could give us a challenge. The Vikings with their defense, they get mm-hmm. T- Teddy Bridgewater back or Sam Bradford back um, if he doesn't tear his ACL getting on the plane. Uh, <laughs> um, that's that's going to, I think, be a tough game. Then you've got the Saints, who typically aren't that great defensively but have an offense that can light it up. You know, So the next four games, I guess we're going to find out how real the team really is in the next four games. And then you know, Cardinals, I think, after yesterday, I think that game's not going to be such a struggle. But then you've got the Eagles and the Seahawks back-to-back. And I think that's where we're going to really know where this team's at on how we, how we do facing those two teams. Yeah, I, I looked at the schedule um, after they started three and one, and I saw that that stretch of six games for Jared Goff and for the offense um, going up against some really good defenses with Seattle, Jacksonville, Arizona. Then you have the bye week, and then you go to to New York. You have the Texans, and then uh, Minnesota. So those are that's six really good defenses. The Rams have played well against one of them, quite frankly, yesterday. Um, the offense didn't play well against the Jaguars, even though they got the win. They had those. 
Um, the defense and the special or the special team stepped up big time. I'm I'm interested to see how they do against defenses like the Giants, Texans, and Vikings because those are teams that can really get after the quarterback and, and cause turnovers. And uh, Jared Goff hasn't been all that great against defenses like that, despite being really good this season overall. Well, that kind of goes to where my next question for you is: is you're talking about Jared Goff and, and some of his struggles. Where do you think the Rams still need to grow? Where do you see that need for growth in the team? I, th- I think pass rusher is is a. I know they have. I think they have like twenty something sacks on the year, nineteen sacks, and they're up there. But I think the edge rusher is is going to become a need that they have down the line and into next season, just because Robert Quinn hasn't he hasn't played like I expected him to at outside linebacker. Um, Connor Barwin's had a few sacks. He's looked good. Um, and then you have Matt Longacre, who's kind of a role player and, and playing well. I think he leads the team in sacks with, with three or four. But I think they need to grow there. And then Jared Goff just getting more consistent against top defenses because when it comes down to the playoffs, you're going to face good defenses. And he needs to he needs to make sure that he's taking care of the football and, and he can make throws down the field um, against teams like that. I think you're going to see improvement with golf as the season goes on just because of the chemistry. I mean, Cup, mm-hmm. Cup, Woods, and Watkins are all new receivers, and, you know, Watkins came in late, so they, they haven't had a lot of time to gel. This is Goff's first year being the starter at the beginning of the season. So there's a lot of room for improvement there, and, and I, really, I really think that's going to come around as the season goes on. And I think our defense is already coming around and, and starting to play well. I would have never guessed that we would have held Adrian Peterson to under 30 yards yesterday. So, you know, that's a huge improvement, and they're starting to really grasp the 3-4, and, and they seem to be tightening up. So I'm seeing this team get better as the season goes on, and I think that's only a benefit. And I guess the test is going to be how well they do against these defenses that they're coming up against. Yeah, they definitely have room to grow. Um, you, you see that on defense, they're really coming into their own um, in, in the past few weeks. And I wrote about it today how how they just kicked um, they kicked Michael Brockers outside to defensive end and put Tanzel Smart at the nose. That's made a huge difference against the run and and as a pass rusher. And then they uh, and then they cut Maurice Alexander and put John Johnson down there at strong safety, who's made a, a handful of really good plays on the back end, which Alexander wasn't doing in the first few games. So they've made good adjustments defensively, and, and you really see it happening. I think they've allowed 39 points in the last three-plus games, 14 quarters or so. Um, so they haven't faced the best offenses, but the defense is swarming. They're, they're getting takeaways, and they're playing really well right now. Before we move on, let's get a word for our sponsors. The Gold Ram Barbershop over at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, 92683. It's owned by Sal Martinez. He opened up his barbershop the day the Rams left in 1994. He's held the door open ever since. He's kept the lights on for Rams fans. Great prices. Give, you can get an appointment with him real easy, 714-894-7267. Hours are usually open 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Go in there, get a great haircut at a great price. Take a look at that museum he's got in his store. It's Rams everything. Rams autographs, Rams pictures, Rams jerseys, Rams, Rams, Rams. It's just a great experience. Go in there and talk Rams football. He opened that store for you, the fan. Take a look. Again, it's 714-894-7267. Oh, and if you are interested in sponsoring Rams Talk, please join us 
We would love to be on board. We'd love to work with you. We're at Ramstalk1945 at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with us. Now, just looking at that schedule you mentioned, who, which, which opponent right now is going to provide the, the biggest challenge for the Rams? I think you look at those, those late game or those late season games against the Eagles and the Seahawks. Those right now look like the best teams. Um, the Giants, I don't think they pose much of a threat at all. The Texans, uh, the offense, I, I mean, you have Deshaun Watson who's playing really, really well, but no JJ Watt and, uh, and they don't have AJ Boye anymore in the secondary. So I think their defense has kind of taken a little bit of a step back when it comes to stopping the pass, but I think the Eagles and the Seahawks, just because of the way they're playing recently, and you have the Eagles playing tonight, but uh, they both look like two of the top teams in the NFC. I'm still a little bullish on the Eagles uh, crowning them the best team in the conference just because their defense is really good, but their secondary is shaky, and they don't have really a, a top cornerback, especially after after a few. I think, they, uh, I think they had a few injuries in the secondary. But, yeah, I, I, th- I think those are the two toughest teams that they're going to face down the stretch. I agree with you 100%. Those are the two games where I think it's going to make the difference on whether or not we're a playoff contender or not is how we play in December against the Eagles and the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Yep, especially going to Seattle to face the Seahawks. Exactly. And, and that's the team they should have beat the first time around. Just playing for the Rams approved. There's That was a game they had in their hands. That was a game they should have won. They could have won. Mm-hmm. Inches away from winning. And so... I can't wait for that game. I, be, is that, I bet you that game is flexed, too. I, I was reading about that. Um, I think that game can be flexed. I, I think there's something about they can't um, flex home games at the Coliseum to night games because it's, it's a school night or something with, with it being on a Sunday night. But I think that game could be flexed because it's at Seattle. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, and the way the Rams have been playing on the road this year, they've actually been playing better on the road than at home. And even though London was a home game for them, it's still on the road. So... You know, if I ever had confidence in the Rams being able to go into Seattle and get a win, it would be that game. Oh, yeah. If you if you include London, they're 4-0 on the road. So uh, they've looked really good away from the Coliseum. Why do you think that is, Cameron? Why do you think that this team has done so well on the road this year? I think a lot of it comes down to Todd Gurley and just having that ground game to, to kind of set the tempo and set the pace. And Goff hasn't, he hasn't flinched against good defenses he hasn't played particularly well against them, but he, he hasn't looked uncomfortable the way he did last year. Um, so you see that, and you see the combination of Gurley and the defense, and it's, it's kind of just all coming together on the road in hostile environments. Out of curiosity, Cameron, did you happen to see the ESPN articles this weekend about uh, the myths with the Chargers and the Rams? I skimmed through it real myths? quick. It's some, something about the fans in L.A. and not selling out and, and stuff like that. What, what did you think of, of the uh, – the statements about the Rams in that one. You know what? I, honestly, I think a lot of the the attendance things get blown over. Obviously, there aren't a ton of fans going to the game, but people see the capacity of the Coliseum and um, and they think that it's not being filled and they, they hold ninety thousand fans and only fifty are going. But I think they cap the capacity at like sixty something thousand fans and it it just looks more empty. But yeah, I thought I thought some of the takes were fair and and it was a good way to kind of shed light on a team that people are kind of doubting at this point in the season. But it, it was it, I thought it was a good take. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the facility itself. If you've ever been to a game at the Coliseum, it's it's not the best place to go to watch a game. So I think mm-hmm. that, that might have a little bit to do with it. And then you add in, you know, whether or not they believe the team are, are really 
contenders again or not. And, and then I wonder where this whole, and I don't want to get into it too much, but where this whole standing during the national anthem thing and boycotting the NFL because of it, I wonder if that's played a part. I think when you add all those things together, that's why you're kind of seeing what you're seeing. Yeah, that, that could be part of it. I think most of that kind of happened. Uh, have the have the Rams played at home since since all of that happened? I know they they were on the road at Jacksonville and then in London. So I don't know if they've had a home game since uh, Trump's comments and, and all the whole protests started. But um, yeah, that could definitely be a part of it. I've read that ratings are down. I've also read that CBS night or CBS night games are way up and Sunday night football is up. So um, it's it's kind of hard to get a feel of whether fans are really boycotting and stopping watching uh, the NFL. Well, one, the Rams have only had one home game since, and that was the Seattle game. And I don't remember, if I remember correctly, only Robert Quinn did anything in that game. He raised his fist, and that was about it. I think the Rams in Los Angeles have have kind of weathered the storm of the whole national anthem. Just luck of the draw. They weren't at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, you were right about the Seahawks. I think Sean McVay said before we're going to continue it as business as usual, and, and Robert Quinn's going to do his thing, and he has teammates supporting him with that. So they've kind of just been away from home, and they're not going to be home this week. They're not going to be home next week against the Giants. and, and they've So really they've been away from the Coliseum for a while now. Oh, I do want to ask you, myth number three, and this is um, Alden Gonzalez over ESPN, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, myth number three, there are no diehard fans in L.A., let me ask a question there, being at the Rams at Rams Wire. What has your interaction with the fans been like since you came on board? Oh, it's been, they're, they're very supportive. They're very, uh, I would say, intense about their team. And they're, they don't like people talking bad about the Rams after all the flack they caught last year for being a bad team in their first year in L.A. And it seems like the, the fans are really rallying around the team and want to see them do well. You don't get a sense of that from – looking at the attendance and how many fans are at the Coliseum, but they're, they're very responsive and, and taught and uh, engaging with the Rams. So it seems like they have a good support system, not support system, but good fan base out in LA for the Rams. Well, I was born in LA in 1966. So that'll tell you how old I am. And, uh, and I've <laughs> yeah, been, old I've, as dirt. Yeah. Old as dirt. <laughs> and, and I've been a Rams fan. I mean, I came home from the hospital in Rams pajamas when I was born. I've, I've been a Ram my, you know, my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I, I weathered the storm with the move to St. Louis and back. And, you know, quite frankly, I live in Oregon now. So there's still, this is Seahawks country where I'm at, unfortunately. But I, I know there's a lot of diehard Rams fans out there and they're not going to go away. But we, we had talked earlier in some other podcasts about how the Rams have to win and how they have to be entertaining in order to get the crowd levels back up. And they're winning, and they're definitely entertaining to watch. So I expect to see the numbers to go up a little bit. But if they don't, then I'll question what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think they're going to have this whole month away from the Coliseum is, I think, going to drive up interest in the team because team, the fans are going to – think that they haven't seen their team at home in, in a month, so they're probably going to want to go to the game um, when they when they go back to the Coliseum on the 12th against the Texans. So I, th- I definitely think you'll see attendance go up, even if they lose to the Giants. Um, they're, quite frankly, one of the most exciting teams in the NFL right now. I kind of ran about this before, too, and that was, you know, this it's economics. It really comes down to sports economics, and no matter what people try to argue about L.A., the fact of the matter is you've got 4,224 different things you can do on any given weekend. And right now, the flavor of the month is the Dodgers. They're in the World Series for the first time in 30 years almost. Yay. So, you know, 
but by, yeah, by the time this series is over, by heck, by the time the bye is over, the the series might be over. You know, yep. by the time the, the Rams take the field next, it'll be November fifth. Yep. You know, it will be over. Yep. It'll be just about done. Yep. And it'll be the Rams, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings, Ducks, and the Rams have a chance. Well, it, yeah, yeah, the Chargers too. I guess we can talk about them. But <laughs> I mean, this can be a Rams town all over again if they just do it right. Yeah, I definitely think they have a chance to do that, especially if they're if they keep winning. The Chargers are not doing well, um, and and it's kind of early in the season for the NBA and for NHL. So you're going to get into the brunt of the schedule for the Rams, and I think interest is going to be sky high for them in the next month or so. Well, and I'm confident I can see five wins on the schedule right now at least. And if they come through with that, that makes them a 10-win team. And when's the last time we saw a 10-win team in, you know, in the Rams? Mm-hmm. So, 2003 was 12-4. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's pretty. I think that was the last time. So I think if they can continue to, you know, they're not going to win every game the rest of the season. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say that. But if they can beat the Giants and split one between the Texans and the Vikings and and possibly win against the Saints, then you got the Cardinals, you got the Niners at the end of the year. I mean, there's a lot of winnable games still left, so it's it's a real good chance the Rams could have a 10-win season or, or plus this year. Gosh, that's that's really exciting. Yeah, I mean, they came out of a, a four-game stretch against the Cowboys, Seahawks, Jags, and Cardinals at 3-1 and one, and easily could have been 4-0. So I think you've seen them go through a tough stretch um, of the schedule and come out on top. So I don't see any reason why they can't continue to do that against a little bit of a softer schedule going forward. Well, how crazy does this sound, though? How how crazy is it that you can look at the schedule now and go, you know what, every single one of those games is winnable for the Rams right now? Yeah, yep, they're all winnable. Well, and it wouldn't you know. it, wouldn't it be awesome to have uh, Dodgers as World Series champions and the Rams make it to the Super Bowl? That'd be a, <laughs> that'd be a hell of a year for LA. Yeah, well, it definitely you. would. Well, thank you. Geez, when was the last time something close to that happened? Ooh, oh boy. Well, Cameron, we want to thank you for coming on the show today. We'd love to have you back later in the year to talk more Rams football. Uh, where can yeah, absolutely, I would love to. Where where can our our readers catch up with you? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Cam Silva or at theRamsWire.com, and you'll see a bunch of my stuff there. And I I tweet out a bunch of gifts and articles that I post, so uh, that's probably the best way to follow me. So Cam Silva from RamsWire USA Today. Thanks, Cam, for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Thanks. Again, we want to thank Cameron De Silva for joining us today. Norm, any final thoughts? No, just still kind of uh, enjoying the afterglow of the Rams win yesterday and, and looking forward to uh, seeing the team take a little break, recharge, give them time to uh, to get a little closer and, and, and bond a little more and get the receivers on board a little more with, with Jared Goff and you know, let our unhealthy guys give them a chance. I like the bye being here instead of like week two or three, like it seems like it's been forever. So uh, looking forward to seeing the Rams recharge and, and get ready to go for the, the Giants game. Well, that's going to come sooner than we think. November 5th is right around the corner, two weeks away. Four Norm Hightower. I'm Derek C. Apollo. Again, thanks for Cam Silver for coming on the show. He's from Rams Wire over at the USA Today. We'll talk soon. Adios.
control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.